Hi everybody and welcome to the new episode of the End of Cells podcast. I hope you're all keeping well, who's listening, following and watching. I'm joined again by John. How are you, John? I'm great, Stephen. Thanks, mate. Yourself? I'm well, great as can be after all the things in the weekend. I'm sure I'm sure, sure like at yourself, but we'll definitely get on to that. And I'm joined again by Anthony. So it's a big welcome back to Anthony, who was on one of our previous podcasts that went down a storm as well. How are you, Anthony? Hi, do I doing okay, Stephen? As well as can be expected, and uh, yeah, just delighted to be back on speaking to you guys. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great platform to come on. Does fan your frustrations? I mean, that's what this is for. But we'll move on before we go on to the major topics. We'll move on to the game itself against Dundee United at Tannadice. Now, what we saw was sadly, basically, they'll surrender in the league and go out with a whimper. There was, I know, in this first half, we had twenty-two shots, something like that, but. I mean, most of them were down the keeper's neck. We could have sat in goals ourselves and had a picnic and saved them. Um, I just think, for me, that kind of just underpinned that everything was wrong with this season. The players at the end didn't look bothered or they didn't look emotional. I mean, there was no player you gave him point out that looked emotional towards the end. It was just kind of an acceptance that the title's gone. Um, I'll throw it to you, Anthony, first. I'm, I'm interested to hear you, your views on the game, but what did you think of it? Yeah, um, well, obviously, on, on the game itself, uh, Stephen... Absolutely. You know, how much was, was made about the fact that we had line share of possession again. God knows how many shots at goal. I think it was in the high 20s um, it finished up. And quite a fair few of them on target. But again, not really any of them tested Seagrist. I mean, although we were actually saying at the time, oh, keepers having another great game against us. When you actually watch the game back, all of these saves are, are they're very routine. There's there's no there's no worldy um, save in there. There's no um, Gorham esque um, kind of save um, at any point. And really, apart from it's just it, it, same old story. It's almost a copy and paste job of all the other match reports we've done. Um, Lacklustre, very toothless up front, and it, it was a performance that really summed up the season. Um, if there was ever a way to, to sum it up, it was just watch that 90 minutes back. If there's one little light that you can say, it was it was great to see James Forrest um, back on the pitch. Um, obviously, nowhere near match fit, so he, he didn't really get much of an impact. But I think um, you know he's come in for a lot of criticism for supporters um, over the years, I, myself included. You know, I've had more than a few moans at him. Uh, on the, the byline but he, I tell you he, we've certainly missed him this year so it was good to have him back apart from that it was uh, yeah just an, another awful <laughs> day at the office Yeah it was just a, another bog standard version of all the games we've seen especially at the turn of the year anyway even before that stretching way back to the European games it's, it's just been it seems like from the start of the season Celtic have hung out the, right, the white flag and just waited and Rangers winning the title and as you said there it's, it's a copy and paste job you're 100% correct it, you think when Lennon left, Kenley may come in and implement some new ideas, or it's just the same diamond. I mean, Forrest, come on, yeah, it's fantastic to see him back. But the first position he took up was in the number ten row. He's not a he's a winger. Get him out in the wing, get him challenging their fullback. That's what we've missed all season. But again, the lack of knowledge from the coaching staff. And I think Forrest drifted towards there towards the end of the game. But I think I was off his own bat. He wasn't told to do that. It wasn't any tactical advice to him. It was just basically go on and see what you can do. But John, what do you think of the game itself? Yeah, just to agree with the points that Anthony made there. Um, it's a cut and paste job. Any other time we've been asked about the games, the pretty lacklustre. Um, and again, you can dominate in possessions all fine and well, but when you you need to do something with it. And like he says, 
I think ninety ninety nine percent of the shots on target were right down Seagrass' throat. So, um, we never really challenged them. Um, obviously couldn't find that goal, um, and that's been one of the biggest issues this season because we dominate possession for every game we play. Um, I, I don't think there's ever been a game where we've actually been on the back foot, uh, other than against them. I think earlier in the season, but it's just. Being if you wanted to sum up the season, that that Dundee United game was a perfect example of just how their seasons went. Yeah, I mean, the, the way the way you look at it from our point of view as well, if if you seen during the season they were trying to roll and there was a couple of points in it, you, you maybe think to yourself, look, it's one of them seasons that just didn't go our way. But the the fact is, it's early March and we've uh, lost the league title. I've, I've seen a stat the, the other day. I think it's the earliest the league title has been lost since the nineteen hundreds. I, I think I'm correct in saying that. I mean. That that there is it's just beyond the joke and move trying to move on from that in terms of the league. John Candy himself, I thought that he would come in, even though I don't want him as manager, and maybe change it back to something more familiar, like a four two three one. Try and get a bit of width in the team. If that means playing Christie on the right, so be it. But it's just about trying to get people out there and attacking their fullback. In terms of John Kennedy's audition, so to speak, Anthony, do you think that's all but over for him now? There's no hope. Yeah, well. I certainly hope so. You know, if, if there's uh, something, uh, maybe apart from James Forrest, something you can take to the game is that it hopefully puts the absolutely terrifying idea of John Kennedy being the, the Celtic manager full-time next season to bed because, believe me, there would have been people in that boardroom considering that, especially if, um, going back to talking on Friday night, I was listening in uh, to you guys when Ross was sort of explaining the scenario of, if Celtic were to go on a bit of a run and perhaps at the end it would lift the Scottish Cup, would they go down that that narrative again of, you know, this, you know, answering the call nonsense? Um, John Kennedy is as fit to be Celtic manager as, as, as I am to run the Tories. It's, um, it's just <laughs> absolutely, it's a terrible, terrible idea. Um, I don't you know the guy's you know he's done well he had obviously the horrific injury that ended his career short and the club have stood by him and he's and he's by all accounts done well he had his you know, ambassador role then he's helped out with, with coaching and but there's you, you can't just be handing out the top job um on a charity basis um he's he's part of the problems at Celtic not not the solution um He's, he's, he's tactical subs. I, I agree that the, the actual setup at the start, you know, three strikers on the bench, and again we needed to win just to try and keep keep the the league from not being mathematically over was was ridiculous. His substitutions, I mean, I mean Turnbull's face said it all really, didn't it? When he was taking off, he was going. He was the only one really kind of affecting the play. Um, it's just absolutely. I, I couldn't believe it um, when I when I seen it happening, and then. After the game as well, his his post match conference was was just if you didn't know you could have swore it was you know he was reading off a teleprompter, um, directed by Peter Lawwell. You know basically you know it's not a time for big change and stuff like that. The the, the time for big change at Celtic Park has has never been more ready than now. Um, there 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 is in no way, shape or form can John Kennedy or or Gavin Stratton for that matter. Um, be in any way involved um, from the summer onwards, at, at the very latest. Yeah, the, the, the subs for me were baffling, Anthony. As you said, when I seen Turnbull coming off, leaving Scott Brown in the pits, you could even took Scott Brown off then and threw on Tom Rodzic. It would have been the same effect. 
Uh, Turnbull for me, as you said, he's he's probably having sorrow, even though sorrow's not getting the game at the moment for some reason. But they've been like the, the bright sparks of the last couple of months for Celtic. And you've seen Turnbull's face. He's, he's almost being like, what the hell is going on? And you're right. He's the only one that does forward passes. Every one of our other players tend to play sideways or back. And not a fact in the play. And leaving the free strikers on the bench, for me, it, it, I, I would have ca- I would have started Kamala or Yeti or Griffiths if he was Matt's fit. Because you need you need strikers on the pitch. And we all know Odson Edward on his day is a fantastic player. And he's, he's the best player in the SPL by head and shoulders by miles. But... When he starts doing them tippy-tappy, trying to play in between lines in the box, it never really works. And there was a couple of opportunities when he got in the box and he could have passed the ball. He tried to take on the player and it got took off him. And it, that, for me, does signals that it's all about an individual side of thing from Celtic now. It's not a team collective. It's a bunch of individuals playing in a green and white shirt who really don't want to be there, maybe apart from a handful of players. What, what about you? What's your view on that, John? Would you tend to agree with the whole Kenley thing is gone? And the players just need to go who don't want to be there. Absolutely. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been vocal about it uh, since we started the podcast. Uh, well, since Kennedy got the role as well, he's not the man for the job. Um, he's completely void any ideas. It looks like he's just continuing on with the same sort of tactics that Lennon was playing, uh, which weren't working. Um, there's been no fresh sort of ideas. And like you say, Forrest coming in obviously is a highlight, but he's not match fit. He was played out of position. Uh, you're taking the best player on the day off the park. Um, and it's just showing you complete... It just it's, it's, it's difficult watching it uh, as a fan when it's like we as fans can all see it. And this is a guy who's been in and around that club now for years. It's like, what, what, what are these guys not getting? Like what? What is it he's not seeing, or what is he seeing that we don't know? Um, all these players playing out of position, still sticking with the same tactics when all season it's not been working for us. Um, and it, it, I mean that that not just the result, but the fact that he's not done anything different, and the fact that it's just been again a cut and paste job. Lennon's tactics and his his lineups and everything else is proof that he's not the man for the job. For me, yeah, and no, I, I, I want to just touch on it as well. Um, Forrest, as I say, it's great. I'm coming back, obviously, uh, with the ankle surgery that he had. Um, but bringing him back, I mean, I, I, I don't know how long he's been in training for, um, and putting him on for the last 10 minutes or so of the game, where he's not really going to have too much of an impact. But uh, did you see the state of the pitch? No, that's, yeah. how inju- that's how injuries happen, man. And I, I said this in the group chat and that as well, but. I was like, see if you're going to be playing top flight football. It's like these clubs need to get their act together. I've, I, the local pitches here, public pitches, are in better nick. Yeah, but and it's ridiculous. To, to be on, to be honest with you, John, I know what you're saying, but I just can't buy that as an excuse. The, it's not. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I'm talking about like in terms of injury. Like you've just had a boy who's been out all season with an ankle injury. He's just come back for surgery, and you're putting him on a pitch that's in that kind of state. The, it, it yeah. pitches like that and in, in that sort of condition. Can cause injuries, and it was kind of like a, a risk. It was, it was kind of like a throwback. Do you remember when Motherwell had the sand all over the pitch? That that's that's what it looked like to me. There was just sand everywhere. But I I know a hundred percent agree with what you're saying in terms of Forrest coming back into that game. Maybe it wasn't suited for him because obviously the state of the pitch. And but the, the way the way I look at it, the footballers who are fit all season, they should be able to play on any surface, any type of weather conditions. Oh, definitely. The, 
I'm that, not saying that the pitch is an excuse for us playing poorly. I'm no, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's just I it get baffles what you mean. me that a top flight club, eh, yeah, are, are, are allowing footballers to play in that those conditions. Yeah, it's it's all it's like the the whole debate about around the four G pitches. I mean, there's four G pitches in my Fallowizer Centre, but you wouldn't use them for top flight football. But they use them in the SPL. It baffles me too. Like, but I, I do think that I, I just think that the players, no matter what the pitch is in, no matter what weather it is, just weather, sorry, just put on that shirt and give your all and try your best. That's all us us fans want. And you, you look you look at it, and the players there. Are, I mean, Ryan Christie for one, and I've said it before about him, but his his head is huge. It's massive. He thinks he's like Lionel Messi. He tries things that don't come off and he still keeps doing it. And it's like, just mate, give up sometimes, man. Just pass the ball to someone else. And it's the same with probably half the players in that team. And what bothers me the most as well, see after that game, Anthony, it was a perfect time for the club to say, you know what? Put, grab the bull by the horns here. Let's get this new manager sorted. Let's make an announcement to the fans that are bringing in someone new at the end of the season. But again, the silence, excuse what this has been said loads of times, but the silence has been deafened from Celtic Park. What do you think about that, Anthony? Uh, yeah, uh, it absolutely has been. Um, but that's you know that's just you know run, run of the mill where, where the guys that run our club are concerned. Um, with regards to the, the new manager, absolutely, we, 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 there definitely has to be um, a change. Um, the only way I would think of that, the, that they perhaps haven't said anything so far is perhaps the person that they have in mind um, is maybe already still in employment with somewhere else. So obviously that that the kind of red tape around that would prevent us from making any sort of public statement. But the, like you say, yeah, there's there was there's no reason why they can't make an announcement now to say, you know, that there will be a change. You know, rather than this sort of we're all speaking in hushed tones. Do you think they actually might give it to Kennedy? Because there will definitely be people in the, the corridors of power that will have been thinking it. Um, they, they, even yeah. after the, how awful this season has been, there are people up there so out of touch that they would brass neck that. I mean, it's scary to think John Kennedy is more ex- has more experience and is has more experience for the job than what Neil Lennon did ten years ago when he <laughs> got the job on a full time basis. Um, you can argue whether or not he's became a success. I, I think sometimes we we romanticise some of Neil's. Um, achievements a wee bit but um you know you know but certainly as a player you know we sit we will always we always have a, a place in, in, in our hearts for him but in terms of the only, if, if it was possible to get the, if the number one candidate out there isn't in a job at the moment i don't see why that isn't being done just now um you know but if if, if he's still unemployment then obviously you know we, we have to kind of make do with kennedy for a while yeah i suppose it's a bit like you know the the flying Dutchman and Pirates of the Caribbean into the captain. There, there must it must have a captain. The ship has, has got to be uh, ran by somebody. Um, I would prefer it to be a competent person, but uh, unfortunately for the moment, it's we're, we're stuck with Kennedy. But the, the new cat, the new manager that comes in, really, I, obviously, you're never going to get a hundred. But I mean, even when Brendan came in um, or when Martin O'Neill came in, it, it wasn't met with a hundred percent, you know, universal approval. You're never going to get every single person get happy with it, but the guy when he comes in, it, he really has to be one of the, the the sort of the choices near the top of the list because he has to kind of unify the support a bit because everyone's just been sort of blown for pillar to post this season just with the the performances and 
just the, the, the amateurish way that the club's been presented on, on social media and everything. We just need something to kind of calm the waters a bit and somebody that will at least unify the, the vast majority of the support. Yeah. Well, what do you think, John, about that? Uh, I, and I, I absolutely 100% agree with everything that you said, uh, Anthony. Um, like you say, I, I, the silence has been deafening. I, I, I firmly believe that if, if they have got someone in place and they're unable to do it through, uh, announce it through red tape, at least come out and say there's a guy there or there is going to be changes next season. Um, if, and you're hoping it is someday at the top of the list and it's no some of the other names that have been floated about, uh, pro, other project names that have no got experience and stuff like that. It needs to be a competent and experienced guy that's coming in. Um, and that says, I think we've all repeatedly spoke about it now uh, over the past couple of weeks who... Our, our, our ideal targets are personally um, and you, you're hearing it's still constantly just the rumour mills just churning out every, every name under the sun um, I, mean, I, I even heard one um, about John Collins becoming director of football and stuff like that absolutely oh. baffles me it, and, and you've got to wonder where these articles are coming from where these stories are coming from and it, it's, a, it's a concern because it, it's stuff like that that causes divide and, and discontent amongst the fans and stuff like that because you start then saying, well, what, what the hell is actually going on? And the, the, like Anthony says, the club is so out of touch with the fans and they need to do something quickly and they need to do something major in order to appease the majority of the fan base and then to get them united again because as it stands at the minute, it does look amateurish and it's it's sad to see really. Well, for, for me, whoever's coming in and We've said it before, has a major job. But that week, the weekend there against Dundee just proves how big a job this really is going to be. I think it's important this new manager coming in. I'll touch upon the latest rumours that's floating about as well. But I think it's important that they get the reserve team playing the way the first team plays. Because then that creates a pathway. And they're also familiar with, familiar with the tactics when they move, move the first team football. For years and years now, the, the, reserve, the reserve team developmental squad, whatever you want to call it, Seems to be just left in the dirt to play a few games here and there against like Bolton, Fulham development sides, and you never really hear of them again. I really think the youth academy is going to be important going forward, and I really hope they're focused on that as well. But in terms, as you said, John Collins is the latest, the latest rumor of uh, director of football, and he, he actually publicly said it as well on TV, I believe. And I just think he's just touting himself for a job. He just he needs he needs more money to buy her products or something. He's he shouldn't be anywhere near um, Celtic Park. No chance <laughs> after the. Last time with Ronnie Dyla, but the, the way I'm looking at it now, and I put on Instagram last night, uh, an Italian journalist said that Enzo Marchesia, if I'm saying his name right, is the favourite or Celtic's number one to get the job. Now, Anthony, you look at that name and you, you don't have a clue who he is unless you Google search him. He's played for Juventus, he's played top football, he was assistant to Pellegrini um, before Pellegrini left West Ham, of course, and then he joined with Pep at Man City to be their under 23 coach or manager. Does that excite you in any way, or do you think that's a totally wrong decision if if, if that happens? Yeah, well, I mean, I must admit, you, you've actually gave me a crash course in his in his career there, um, Stephen. I, I I knew that he was at City, but I didn't know all the his previous. Um, wouldn't be against him coming in on some sort of perhaps being part of the coaching setup. You know, he's clearly got credentials there. Um, would he be my first choice? No, absolutely, absolutely not. I, I, you know. I know that one of Pep's, you know, apprentices has went on to, you know, ma- manage at Arsenal um, and, and Mikel Arteta, but 
the greatest. You know, we we we're not Arsenal. You know, we we're, we're a big club. Um, we're we're kind of we're, we're sort of but we're, we're around we're designed around winning titles and trophies regularly. Arsenal is a, a big fancy project in the north of London. No, no one when Arteta got that job thought, oh, you know, Arsenal are going to start competing for titles that now because that's just not where they are. Celtic needs to yeah. have an experienced manager in, and if, if possible, who is who is used to winning or or at least with the right tools. Could make one in a habit. Um, I, I think I'm 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 really done with with, with projects and develop you know th- th- things like that. You know I, I actually didn't mind Ronnie Dyla, although you know it kind of ended um, in sort of bad circumstances. But the time's not right for you know that you know a guy on a stepping stone, as it were. We need somebody in that's you know he doesn't need to show us his credentials. We already know them, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. In terms of your first choice, Anthony, me and John have said ours countless times. Um, who's yours? Because I haven't heard yours yet. Uh, yeah, I, I must admit, um, if, if it was up to me, I, I would go for Eddie Howe as well. If, if, if uh, I had the, the, the genie was allowed to give me three wishes, I would have Howe um, as, as my first choice. And I, I, I can understand some of the reasons why um, maybe folk weren't against him. Ross actually made some very good points about um, Sean Dyche. I, I genuinely hadn't thought of him at all. Um, but yeah, I think how kind of fits the bill. Uh, you know, he's he's a young guy. He's but he's but got but with a lot of experience. Um, I know that there is a, the thing that, of course, he's you know he's technically not won anything. But you know, how many trophies are you expected to win at Bournemouth? Um, and there is perhaps the risk that you know Bournemouth was his club, and maybe the same way that Celtic's is Neil's. Um, you know, maybe he is just perfect for that for that one club. But I think when you when you look at the way he plays the game, the way he speaks, um, you know, I, I could quite easily see him on the touchline at Celtic Park, or, or even you know on the unveiling day. I think he would he would be one of the sort of unifying um, candidates that would that would get everyone excited again. You know, we're all obviously excited to get back to the football. In any case, you know, once this uh, pandemic does one, but. By the same point, we don't want to be going. You know that you do still hear the rumours. Uh, you know Jack Ross, Steve Clark. You know, and I fair play to Steve Clark. He's done wonders with Scotland. But I do sometimes think that this um, penalty shootout one has sort of canonised his legend a wee bit. You know, um, there's no doubt he can organise a defence, and, and that's all well and good. I I don't personally. I wouldn't have him for, for Celtic. Um, and like you say, John's bang on the money with the, with the rumor mill. You're, you know, every, I think I was linked with a job yesterday. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I, I'm not ruling myself out. I just don't know if I'll make the interview. Um, but yeah, every, everyone's been <laughs> going to get um, sort of attached to it, and especially if John Collins, like you say, if, if he's even flaunting it publicly, you know, it's just it's just clickbait jobs for for the the guys at the Daily Record and the, the Scottish Sun to just you know to to, to print this because they know it'll it'll a wee bump in sales I there's, I must admit out with Eddie Howe and maybe one or two others though there's not really anyone on that list of the, the sort of bookies favourites as it were that, that really excites me the only thing and I actually said this to John on Sunday in the group chat I says a man perhaps reading too much into this and he says well I, I hope you are um, when they were doing the, the, the Super Sunday uh, for the English games and um, obviously Graeme Soonis got asked about the the, the, the um, about Rangers winning and when 
it cut to Roy Keane. He, he basically he sort of dismissed Rangers' achievements and says, you know, Celtic will bounce back next year like all great clubs do. We, we, are, we are a mischievous kind of glint in the eye and I thought, is, is he maybe... Am I reading too much into this, or is this a, am I looking at the next Celtic manager here? <laughs> um, for me, for for me, Alfie, I think that would be a totally wrong move. It's just it's just another yeah, Lennon. It's another, yeah, it's another motivator within coming into Celtic Park if that happens. But I think Roy Keane, yes, he's a, he's a legend within the game, world renowned name. But management wise, I mean, he managed Sunderland. I think he brought brought him up the Premier League. Fair enough. But other than that, he's he's done nothing. I think he's better staying as a pundit. And that's yeah, where I, his best work. I totally agree. And I think, um, I mean, don't be wrong, he might make us feel better for five minutes going into that dressing room and, and telling some of the um, well, jokers, quite frankly, compared to some of the performances this year, a few home truths. Um, it would maybe make <coughs> us feel better for five minutes, but long term, you know, he, he does. He's got that abrasiveness that, that Neil has. Um, and players, that this generation of players don't, don't, Tend not to react positively to those kind of uh, those that kind of approach, that kind of autocratic approach to to, to management. Um, yeah. Players you tend to find now react more to players that uh, to, to managers that are a bit more open, you know, a bit more um, you know yeah. arm round the the shoulder sort of thing. Definitely, and I, I agree with that, and that's why I just to your point there. That's why I say is I hope you are reading too much into it because uh, like. <clears throat> I mean, as you mentioned, Keane obviously is a legend in the game. He's a world-renowned name, uh, but I don't think he's uh, a, management-wise. It would be the, like you said, he might light a fire under some of the players. Uh, but how long is that going to last? Um, because in the same vein, we know how hot-headed he is. We know he's kind of his general attitude, um, and that isn't the kind of the person you want. Really, you need a man manager, like you said, Anthony, somebody who. No coddle players, but like listen to them, um, coach them properly. If Keane was ever to come into Celtic, I would accept it as a as a, in like a coaching capacity. Um, yeah, yeah. But for management, no. No, I I think it just falls into the the whole Celtic connection, Ireland connection. I think we need to, Celtic just need to get away from that for a moment. Look outside the box. Look out from within the whole Celtic family, so to speak. They need, they need to be a bit more ambition, especially now to get the fans on side. I think it's important that this next appointment gets in as soon as possible. I mean, the more time drags on, John, I don't think Eddie Howe is going to be the next Celtic manager. If it was going to be that, what's holding it? Is he is he stuck in the M1 or M2, whatever it is up in Scotland? He, he should be up already, looking at them players, saying what he wants and what, what he needs for this rebuild coming up, because it's going to be huge. I had a list of players last week, and I think it was like 10 players in total that, are, that might be away or potentially leaving, and that's a massive rebuilding job yeah. on your hands. I think, for me personally, the sooner this season ends, is just it just has to end quickly. I mean, these games are just dead rubbers. I know the old firm games or the derby games are coming up, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yes, it'll be nice to beat Rangers at Parkhead, but it doesn't mean anything really, does it? It's been a terrible season. I wouldn't wouldn't really surprise me if we get knocked out of the Scottish Cup as well, the way we're getting on. I just think they need to get us sorted as soon as possible. These players are in a rut. Most of them don't care. They don't even want to be there, and that's been quite known all season. There's a few players now starting to line up that just couldn't give two flyers, to be honest. And the likes of John Joe Kenny, he's only there to get fit. He played well the first few games, but he just fell into the whole, the whole rut that the Celtic team's in. He's passing the ball sideways, and 
not to pick on John Joe Kenny, but it's true, he's only there to get fit for Everton. The rest of the players and go through the whole team, to be honest, Scott Bain, nah, no chance that he's going to be our number one next season. I can't see it. It's just a major, major rebuilding job. And it's in, in fairness, the, the whole director of football thing, thing for me as well, Anthony, it can be a two pronged situation. What if you get a manager in who is strong headed and doesn't want anyone over him? That could, that might be an issue for any potential new manager coming in. But do you think it is fatal for Celtic to get a director of football, or would you ha- be happy enough with a manager who could deal with it all? I think the way that, that Celtic is, I mean, it's not a, you know, it's, it's the greatest club in the world to us, and you know, it is a massive inst- football institution. There's no getting away from that. But we also have to be realistic and say, you know, what we're not Manchester United or. Barcelona, Real Madrid, it's not it, it, yes, it's known worldwide but it doesn't have its sort of tentacles in every corner of the globe sort of thing, so it, the the sort of demands of the club day to day are perhaps it, it, it maybe means that a director of football isn't an absolute essential part of, to running the football and operations it's, um, it's desirable but it's maybe not essential like, like, like you say, if um, I, I, all that we need, if, if you're going to have a director of football, just, just, just have one, and just don't, don't make him the chief executive. The, the, that's yeah. the two. That's that's the problem. That's the, the, the two roles need to be separate, and that's where I always keep coming back to. When, when, when I know we'll probably discuss him more in a, in, in a different episode maybe when he does go. But the whole point is that they say, oh, you, you've got to judge Lowell over. The business or or um, his transfers goes. You actually can't separate the two because he doesn't want to separate the two. He he essentially puts his nose in where it's not required and ends up making an even bigger mess of things. Um, and that's the problem with having someone being a director of football in a de facto type sense, but not having the the, the skills to, to carry that job out. So I'm all for having a director of football. I don't think it's the the be all and end all that perhaps it perhaps would be at a club like United. You, you, when you look at Manchester United, they're crying out for one. I don't necessarily think we are. I just think we need the chief executive to do the chief executive job and let the manager go on with the football side of things. If it means working with a head of recruitment, which again isn't a director of football, then that maybe then has to run a potential transfer target. By, by the board or whatever, then, then then that could work as well. But it's just all about... Celtic, historically, always works best when everyone is singing for the same hymn sheet. Um, and it started, it was, you look back when, when, when Steen took... I know it's all different generations, but you look when Steen took over, that was his first thing. He was in charge of the football. Same again when, when Martin took over. He was in charge of the football and affairs. Even when Brendan took over in the first season, um, a lot of his sort of demands were met but realistically you know he wasn't coming in and asking to you know go and take out half the Liverpool team but the, <laughs> the, the board and the, the, the manager and the players they were all pulling in the same direction and that's what brought the fans you know that's what got the, the, the upper tier of the, the Lisbon Lions stand full again Celtic supporters will react and, and react positively if they can see a vision if they can see people with the credentials saying we want what you want. We're going when we're going to do it in a a sort of a way that won't put the club existentially at risk. But the problem at the moment is everyone's no singing for the same hymn sheet. I mean, they couldn't be singing for any sheets any further apart. Quite frankly, 
and that's the, the that's the, the the biggest sort of single issue. It's not that it, you can have anybody in there as a director of football, but it, it, it's not a magic wand. What what you just need is somebody that has a, a positive relationship with the chairman or or the, or, or the board that the players will respond to, which in turn usually would relate to good performances on the pitch and good results, and that makes us happy. We always seem to try and overcomplicate something that isn't actually that difficult, and the history shows it. If you all work together, the results speak for themselves. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I I think you put it perfect there, Anthony, you really did, and when the Celtic board show ambition, you're right, the Celtic fans back the club that I help. And they've backed them this season. I mean, I think they sold out their season ticket allocation. The Celtic supporters are paying £600-£700 for the season tickets. That's not even including the premium customers who are paying over a grand for a season ticket. It's And they've repaid them with no communication, nothing for the fans, no information about what's happening next. When the season's gone up shit creek, so to speak, there's been... There's been no explanation why this has happened, why it's went downhill so quickly. And, and another thing I want to touch upon before we move on to the scenes we've seen at the weekend, which are, I'm really interested to hear both your points. But and, and another thing for me is this season went down the pan so quickly and you get these people saying, oh, look at you, you're entitled. One bad season, you're entitled. You think you can win everything. You think you should just turn up. That's not the point. As I said before in previous podcasts, if Celtic actually tried and tried their hardest and went to every game, without looking crap, to be honest, and just put 100% effort in, you could almost be like, yes, it wasn't our season, it wasn't our game, it just didn't fall for us. But it's the complete lack of effort, the lack of passion, the lack of desire that each and every single player at one point or another has showed this season. And that includes our club captain, Scott Brown, who got sent off in one of the games for a stupid elbow on a player who was nowhere near him. And I'm not afraid to say it, he's been a brilliant servant, but them, them type of players should be standing up for the this season of all seasons. Legs of him, McGregor, Shane Duffy to a certain extent, because he comes from a Celtic background in terms of his family and where he comes from. And you you look from from within or from outside the club, and you, you just want an explanation why you want the board to communicate. And they've left the fans so far behind that if they don't make the right appointment, and if they are whispering to themselves about John Kennedy, these sales the, the season tickets will just plummet through the table, and the club will have no one else but to blame. But themselves, uh, John. What's your feeling before we move on? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, it, it, we're just it, it goes back to other stuff that we've touched on previously. Um, I just feel that the the club needs a complete thing we top to bottom. Um, servants like Scott, uh, that have been great for the club, but it's time for him to move on. I'd love to see him remain at Celtic in a coaching capacity. Um. But yeah, I mean, I mean, overall, we just need to look to the future, stop dwelling on the past, uh, and then just get things over the line that that needs to be done now instead of speculating about other stuff. Um, yeah. We need to we need to get the manager and everything else in place. I just want to touch briefly as well about the the director of football thing. My understanding, I mean, well, I think there's just general confusion about what a director of football actually does uh, in their role. And I think depending team to team, it varies. Um, obviously, in our case, in recent years, Lowell's been a de facto director of football. He's been um, taking charge of certain aspects of the club that were out with his remit. Uh, there's no one his original 
job title, he's a chief executive, he should have focused on the business end of things. But obviously he was sticking his nose in uh, and he was bringing players into the club um, and I don't know who he was working alongside but it doesn't seem to be the manager and getting these guys in. Um, so, I mean, if we are planning on bringing a director of football in, then obviously the manager has to A, and this goes back to Anthony's point about singing for the hymn sheet, uh, the singing for the the same hymn sheet. They need to be on the same wavelength. They need to have an understanding. The manager needs to be happy to be working with a director of football, and the director of football's job needs to be in black and white what their role is, what it is they're going to be doing. My initial understanding was a director of football uh, was uh, acted as a sort of go-between uh, between the manager and the board. If the manager wanted players brought in, they obviously the director of football then worked to get those transfers over the line, and that was their responsibility to allow the manager to just focus on uh, managing the team, um, but primarily manager had the final say on transfers and everything else. But yeah, no, it it just comes down to if, if what is the director? Somebody just outline what their role is going to be at Celtic first and foremost. Let the fans know. Whoever it is they bring in, what what it is they're actually going to be doing, because like I says, I think it varies between club to club. What they're, I mean, you hear instances where director footballs, um, they, they they take complete control of transfers, um, and managers might not like that. So we need to make sure that whoever we bring in, manager and director football, if that is the route we're taking, that these guys are willing to work together uh, and work in tandem, and there's no. Because, like he says, we we as a club operate better, play better when everybody is working together, and they've got the same goals and everything. So, I think that needs to be paramount uh, going forward. John, just yeah, to, just to, just to, sorry, uh, Stephen, I just wanted to say going going back on that, what you were sort of outlining there, um, John, the, the sort of the, the sort of role of a director of football and practically every um, sort of specific you mentioned there. Um, it's very reminiscent of uh, what Jock Brown's role was back um, in 97, 98. Um, and he was, it was under the title of, of general manager. And I can always remember, he was on, it was one of the documentaries. And his, when he was explaining, he, he says, I'm essentially in charge of all footballing operations, buying a player, selling a player, negotiating, all of that, except the coaching and picking the team. So that's, and, and Janssen was very used to it. It's quite a, a Dutch thing that's very common over there. So, you know, this isn't a, a new idea. Um, no. So it's it's definitely something that if if, if the right people are, are in those positions could work could work very well for Celtic. Definitely. But that, I mean, what, what I was more referring to there, Anthony, uh, just to your point, um, like with Janssen, uh, he, he, like, he wanted Larson and we got that over the line. How much did he play in that transfer? And I always think Jock Brown actually gets a lot more. He was a sort of pantomime villain. Um, he actually, when you, when you, and I always remember in the documentary, he actually ran through a team that he, he played a part in a lot of the transfers. Obviously, Larson, being that was obviously the, 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 the connection with, with him. But a lot of the players... Um, and, and negotiating when you actually looked at the squad of players that he um, was involved in, um, you know, like I say, he was obviously part of the the broadcasting team, and you know, he, and you know, tensions were high at that point. So 
he's never revered very positively. But when you actually, you know, in hindsight, he's, he'd actually did quite a decent job at Celtic. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is what, I, again, just going back to the point I was making, uh, it's all fine and well having a guy like that in, in the setup. Uh, and if you've got a manager there who's willing to work with them, then that's fantastic. Um, but how much say does a manager have in who we are signing? Like, it, it, it's all right saying, uh, he, he deals with the, the management of the team side of things, I deal with everything else. But, like, are you having a conversation with the manager? Are you the manager recommending, these are the kind of guys I want you to get through, the, uh, get over the line for me? bring them in, uh, or is the director of football just saying, I think we need this, because I yeah. don't think that works, and I think that the d- director of football, general manager, whatever it is, whatever title you want to give the guy, uh, he needs to work in tandem with the manager, and I ultimately believe, as the manager is the guy who is picking the team day in, day out, he's managing the team, he's, he's in, in the coaching, he's seen it all firsthand. he knows what we need, and he should be the first protocol in terms of uh, if he wants to strengthen uh, and things like that, um, and then taking that to somebody uh, in a position like that, and then saying, "Look, I've got a list of guys. We need this, this guy, this guy, this guy. Have, get in touch with them, see what we can do." Um, and then that that individual director of football, whatever, going in and handling that, so that the manager can then just focus on going back to the team. That yeah. is my understanding of what that role is, and and in that case, I don't see a problem with it. But if the director of football was turning around and saying, just you focus on the team. I'll decide what guys we're getting, and that that's not going to work. And we've seen it at our club. Law, I mean, we've had man like Lennon said before with other guys. He doesn't know who these folk are. They're just getting brought into the club. Who's making these decisions? That is no the way forward, and that isn't the way the club should be run. It's a recipe for disaster, really. That kind of approach. Um, and and well, I believe that played its part. And, and, and it's had disastrous well. consequences. Uh, no, absolutely. And I think that was part of the reason why Rogers wanted to take it out. Absolutely, and we've seen in previous interviews as well. Lennon's turned around and says he doesn't know these names, uh, and even this year, there's names getting floated about. Ah, he's been signed. It's getting released to the press. So so and so signed, and then it's no what got out of the line, and just scrimping our transfers. We could have got over the line, but no willing to pay the extra bit of money they were asking for, and then losing it. It, it all that needs to end, and we need to. There just yeah. needs to be trust between the manager, whoever else is getting brought into whatever other roles and everybody, as you say, Anthony, a perfect way of putting it, sing for the same hymn sheet and make sure everybody's working together uh, to take the club forward. And I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And the, these next few months and the lead up to next year is going to be very telling on how much this board uh, A, are listening to fans and B, actually care about the club itself because I mean, if they go, for, yeah. if they opt for the like, say John Collins for a director of football and keep John Kennedy in as manager, that just shows you just how completely disconnected they are for the the fans and the club itself. They don't care about anything other than lining their pockets, and it's it's despicable. Yeah. Well, you you look at it as well, John. I'm glad you actually touched upon signings. I've seen over the recent days, I put on Instagram last night as well. Celtic have apparently offered a young striker, Kyle Joseph, a long term deal from Wigan. For a free transfer, also the same with um, Liam Shaw f- from Sheffield Wednesday. You're almost wondering who's sending any pa- players and who's giving Aye, forty for exactly. this. Exactly, a good point. Yeah, who is bringing? Because, who, who is doing this? Because if you're looking to bring a new manager in, he's you want a guy coming in with his own ideas, uh, his own staff, and he wants to obviously have a look at the team and see what needs to be strengthened. Uh, if you're getting this information filtered through for somebody who's maybe in the job and the, the club are only just letting us know about all this, then fine, fair enough. 
uh, yeah. and try to get these guys out of the line. But is it is Law still involved in this? Is he still trying to bring them in? Are these Kennedy's guys who like who's making these decisions? You look at it as well. Right, go beyond the manager. You go beyond the director of football. Then positions have yet to be filled with um, the proper candidates. And I think the problem stretches as far back as the recruitment team. Nicky Hammond and I think it's uh, Guy Spence or something. Something anyway. He's like the chief scout. Their their record at the moment is absolutely shambolic. And if they're continuing the same players under the remit of the old management team, then as this, as Anthony said, it's a recipe for disaster because this new manager coming in needs needs to know or needs to give his own remit for the scout exactly. department to, to look for. And I think that the, the rebuild should go as far as the recruitment team. I think they should be all sacked or um, let go from their jobs. I don't like to see anyone being sacked. Let me put that out there. But being at a club like Celtic, you need to be producing good players, good quality players, and not the things we've seen this season. And yes, there has been people saying you still didn't complain about the transfer window, but this is all within... That at, the, at that moment, you're signing the likes of Shane Duffy, Ireland captain, you're signing Diego Laxalt, Uruguay international. You, you think these players are going to come in and do a fantastic job, but ultimately, ultimately they have failed, and we, we're allowed to look back and criticise them. I mean, that's a part of football. Teams criticise players, no, fans criticise players all the time. It's accepted, it's allowed. I don't think there should be a problem with that. But this rebuild in the summer, touched upon it one more time, it's going to be massive. We need to know what's going to happen. We need to know what direction. And the season, text, season ticket sales are coming up soon, I'm pretty sure, in the next few weeks. And I hope, <coughs> I just hope, that they're going to release something pretty soon. No one said like they will, because they need to get the drive up for the tickets, and they'll probably use it as a PR stunt. And as Anthony alluded to, is it going to be John Kennedy answering your call again? <laughs> I hope not. But look, we'll, we'll leave that behind us, lads, and we'll move on to the horrible scenes that were seen this weekend. Now, before any before I get into it, I just want to make clear, I am not moaning, I'm not complaining, I'm not giving off. I just want to know why Celtic have been name-checked in government statements when it wasn't anything to do with us. Why were Celtic name-checked in the, the statement Rangers released about the incident when, again, it was nothing to do with us. What we've seen was Rangers going their own fans at the, the gates of Ibrox, celebrating with them like there was no pandemic. And again, at the training ground, they were celebrating with the fans, drinking, drinking alcohol, letting off fireworks and flowers. They were egging on the fans. They wrecked up George Square. There was thousands of fans to see the aftermath of that. They wrecked the Celtic shop, smashed the windows. Um, over here where I live, they're in the Shankle, partying all night, partying all day. But apparently, according to our local news reporter, they were all in cars and in their own bubbles, which is a complete another shambles and a joke and a lie. And then you look at us. I know we touched upon it, the Dubai trip was totally wrong. It shouldn't have happened because there's people who can't see family, there's people who can't go to funerals or weddings or anything at all like that. But a simple photo of Neil Lennon and Scott Brown was criticised to the hill by the government. It almost felt like at some point Celtic were just, I don't know, just being vilified by the government. And I was a believer that it was being equal until I seen everything that's happened over the last few months and I've actually opened my eyes to the, the complete and utter biasm that I've seen especially from government media. I'll throw it to you, Anthony. I'm quite interested to hear your points on this. What's your take on this situation? Well, the, the points you were making right at the very start there, Stephen, you know, what, why are Celtic getting um, mentioned in statements, uh, particularly governmental ones? Um, the other question you could say is, and, and why are we maintaining, a, and I wouldn't actually say a dignified silence, why are we sitting in the corner saying nothing and hoping it all goes away? Um, you'd have yep. to speak up for yourself sometimes. Um, they're very quick to to jump out to criticise the fans when we go when we do go over the score, but they never seem ready to, to stick up and defend their name um, when we are wrongfully um, 
been criticised. No, like going, going back to to all of it, there's there's no we can't say. I I've tried to like you, what you've said and and not be, be coming across as moaning about it and stuff because because I do accept that if the season had went the way we, we had hoped it was to do, I think it's incredibly naive to to think that there wouldn't have been some sort of seat gathering of uh, supporters um, at some point. What what I've argued um, in the last couple of days is I don't and and you can actually back it up with, with evidence. You look at when we uh, won the nine. And even just recently, when we won the uh, quadruple treble, yes, there was gatherings, um, most specifically on the Celtic way, but they they were in absolutely nothing compared to what we've seen um, over the course of the weekend. And also, it was not backed by Celtic. Celtic did not encourage it. So, and um, they didn't outright condemn it, but they didn't encourage us to do it either. And actually, were very vocal about us not doing it in the in the lead up to it happening. Um, I can tell you right now, if Celtic and the and the Celtic manager carried on the way that those players and Stephen Gerrard carried on this weekend, the daily record would have pull out sections on it. No yes. Celtic manager would get away with anything like. What Gerard's been getting away with this. He, he, he stood up in the aftermath of that game on Sunday and says, "Oh, well, you've got to, you've got to understand that you know this is a a, a big relief and you know that the joy." I'm sorry, that that doesn't wash. And 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 maybe being a, I've been very biased here, not only as a Celtic supporter but as a, a an NHS employee. There's people at the moment that still can't attend their loved ones' funerals, and we're expected to. Just say, oh no, well, that's it's it, it's okay um, because a a team have won a league, and uh, and I, I I like to think that I would be just as I mean, you know, me and John go way back. John knows how outspoken I've been on our Dubai trip. The Dubai trip was a complete PR disaster, um, and it should never have happened. Um, I, I I still even on the day when we flew out. Um, it was, I think, it was the actual day of the game when we lost at Ibrox, and I remember saying to my dad, um, "Oh, they're, they're, there's, there's no way they'll be going to Dubai." And then, obviously, after the game, it, they were saying that that was them, them jetting off. It was a terrible PR own goal, but um, as I say, we are, we are. There is little question now. There has been four or five major COVID breaches um, over the course of this season. Celtic have been involved. And two of them, and I think we were rightly criticised for, especially the. I actually think the ball and goalie incidents actually worse than Dubai because no matter what you think about the Dubai trip, it actually was there wasn't actually any. It's I'm, I'm being technical here. There wasn't actually any rule breaking. It was actually green rubber stamped by not only the Scottish football authorities but by the the government as well. And um, the one part of Neil's press conference that I did agree with was when he called out the hypocrisy of him and Scott Brown being criticised for being pictured poolside um, by the Scottish government. But then two months previous, when Scotland qualified for the Euros, um, everyone was celebrating the conga. Um, so, yeah, that is definitely where the hypocrisy uh, part in it comes for, comes for me. Um, go, with the, the current statements at Holyrood today, uh, I was, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm a keen follower of politics. Um, and that, 
even I, I, I thought after Trump that there's nothing that can really leave me speechless or flabbergasted. I couldn't believe how light they got away with it in the, the Holyrood Chamber the day. I actually took Patrick Harvey, the Greens, to actually stand up at, at his point um, to question and actually say, no, let's call this out for what it is. It was, it was complete and utter vandalism. Um, and if you, anyone that sees any of the, the footage and some of the images that have um, came out since, that's not supporting your team winning a league championship. Um, it was an excuse to, like you say, smash up Celtic shops, smash windows, attack statues. They, they, they clearly have changed their, their, um, their goal on, um, on statues. Last year, it was all about protecting them. Uh, this season, it was all about defecating on them. Um, but yet, for us to then be... And, and, and Nicola Sturgeon's criticism of that today, she, yeah, like you say, name-checked us twice. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. You can criticise us when, when we do go over, the, when we breach regulations. I have absolutely no issue with that at all. But to to try and pass us off as the other side of the same coin, it, it just reeks of um, political posturing, as, as far as I'm concerned. And I say that as someone who um, is a, a, a supporter, not only independence, but um, who, who would be considering most of the time to, certainly in recent years, uh, to vote for the SNP. But it really is actually a lot, and I'm not the only one here, a lot of um, people on, on that are similar-minded like me are actually now seeing the Greens as a more reasonable um, voice. It, you know, they, they certainly don't have that kind of um, electoral might that the SNP do, but I think there's a lot of fans are, are just sick and tired of this um, complete dub, double standards. Um, even the, 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 the language used with, with the, the ball and goal incident and the Dubai trip was nowhere it was 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 ten times worse than this sort of you know slap on the wrist mentality that um that Rangers seem to have got away with. And I couldn't even believe even worse um that Rangers have actually I don't know if you guys have seen it, um they've actually written to Glasgow City Council to complain uh-huh. that the benches weren't removed before the fans uh, congregated. And I'm just like I mean that it, it, Trump Trump sort of Trump politics is is well and truly alive in Scotland now. It is, it's embarrassing. As I say, I know we're not whiter than white, so to speak. The Celtic fans would have gathered on some level had um, had had we won the ten. There's no getting away for that. But it would certainly have not have been at the, the levels of what we've seen on Sunday, and it certainly wouldn't have been rubber stamped by the club. Um, I mean, even when you look at the the footage from after the game at Ibrox, the, the police allowed the security gate to be opened to allow the players to go out and celebrate with the fans. It's an absolute joke. I mean, I, I mean listen, I'm all for fans and teams enjoying their wins. You know, we've we've, we've done plenty of it, um, especially the last few years. But they're all, they're all supposed to be grown-ups. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and um, it was man shot an embarrassment, quite frankly. And But the very tepid um, criticism coming out from the Scottish government and trying to sort of bring us into it. Um, it was an absolute disgrace. And I, I think um, that, amongst other things um, that are probably well known about, um, it could very seriously backfire for the First Minister. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Anthony, I, I, I'm glad you brought up some points. 
you you look at the footage that we've actually seen over the last couple of days. There was a, a police escort to Glasgow of them on the road. There was thousands of people in that police escort. During the pandemic, the police were just walking beside them. There was a video online of a of a police officer, uh, no, a picture, sorry, taking a selfie with Rangers fans. And the, the SNP, the Scottish government, as you rightly said, the, the Bowling Goalie incident, he thought he was going to be charged with the, the death penalty that way got on. Obviously, granted, it was terrible and he shouldn't have done it and he was rightly punished for it. But as you, Aberdeen were punished for their COVID breaches, it seems to me that this season especially, Rangers have been untouchable when it comes to COVID. And there was players today, ironically, ironically charged, five players after they've won the league. One of them players, Nathan Patterson, played in the game for him in Europe just a, a few days back. And you look at um, Celtic coming back from Dubai. All our team had to self-isolate because of Chris Julian. And you're, you're, you're almost... <laughs> it, John, is it double standards? What, what's your opinion? Definitely. Um, and I want to just, first and foremost, just say that I agree with every single point Anthony just made there. Um, yep. And it, it's... I mean, the, the, the double standards is right. Like you mentioned, we, we ball and golly incident we dealt with uh, in-house, but we were lambasted for it. Um, the Dubai trip, uh, we were penalised heavily, three games postponed. Um, we lost about 11 guys to self-isolation, um, which had a knock-on effect. Um, and we were ridiculed uh, by everybody, all the media, the government, um, for weeks prior to that, eh, after that, and like you say, uh, this year Rangers, uh, and earlier in the season, they had a couple of guys attend a party. Um, there was rumour that all these players were present, but only a couple of the names were actually took to self self isolate. There was never any postponements. They done it again recently, like you said, the five guys, um, the names that we know, eh, all just so happened to be. Um, second string guys, none of them really first team players, uh, so it wouldn't impact them too much. Uh, and again, nothing was done about it. Uh, these players then continued to play in games uh, and put everything at risk. Um, no self isolation, no postponements, nothing like that. Um, so, I, I mean, it's evident that there's double standards, absolutely. Um, and the, 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 the way that Celtic was uh, treated by the media. Um, and I don't want to get into the way the media talk about or the or the, the the bias in the media because we'll be here all night. But the and the, the Scottish government, um, you'd expect them to play an impartial role. Fair enough. We we done things uh, that we shouldn't have done. Uh, there was things put in place for it. There was the postponements. There was the self isolation. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You break you break those rules. Somebody was in contact uh, who then contracted COVID. Fair enough. All right. But why is that then? It says Aberdeen penalised the same, but Rangers won they? Uh, and dragging their name into it with this league title nonsense. They, like Anthony says, if we'd have won the 10, it would have been an absolute historic moment for the club. Uh, it's one that we, uh, I believe that we all thought maybe we, we were going to win. Um, and there certainly would have been an element uh, of the fans who would have been out celebrating, but I don't believe it would have been to that extent. They, like you say, there was the, the, the players celebrating with the fans, they, 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 they condoned it, they were out cheering them on and everything else. 
There's the police escort uh, taking them up to George Square. Then there's the mess and the carnage that they left. Uh, there was windows smashed, Celtic store was smashed, uh, graffiti stickers everywhere. Um, street was left in an absolute riot mess. Memorial benches broken. Um, like it was a, a it was a disgrace. And it, 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 the barely a word. I mean, they have they've come out and says it was bad. But again, they're dragging their name in there. They keep bringing us up when we were. That's not day with us. And it is. You got to ask yourself, well, why do you keep bringing us? Like, see if we're in the wrong. Like Anthony says, then fine, we can hold our hands up. We'll accept any criticism that comes our way if we're in the wrong. But when it's somebody else, why are we getting dragged into it? It just, it really baffles me. Uh, and another thing that baffles me as well is with the the whole. I mean, I think. I don't know how many people were estimated to be there, but looking at the pictures, there was tens of thousands anyway. I mean, they generally were all out in force. Um, granted, it is a small minority when you consider the population of Scotland, but in terms of Glasgow itself, that's a lot of people. Um, and uh, the comments that were made uh, as well just seemed to sort of paper over it and make it seem it wasn't as bad as it was. Uh, and it's the knock-on effect for that as well in terms of the whole lockdown thing. Um, we're going to see it in a number of weeks um, and it's, it's going to have a negative impact on everybody who have been adhering to rules and everything else. And there shouldn't be any double standards. There shouldn't be, they shouldn't be allowed to get away with it, essentially. Um, I also want to just touch on other comments that were made about the, the old firm game that's coming up. And I don't know, I'll get Anthony's and yours, Stephen, uh, feelings on this as well but they're talking about just cancelling the games altogether um, there's been I believe numerous Rangers groups uh, fan forums um, try to get thousands of fans again to, to get out in mass during lockdown uh, and make their way to Celtic Park uh, we've seen already they've, they've tied Union Jacks and Celtic, uh, Rangers Scarf sorry uh, ruin the, the statue of Billy McNeil um, and they're obviously doing it to goad Celtic fans into a reaction um, and obviously Celtic fans are annoyed uh, at the thought of that happening um, and why go to Celtic Park to defend Celtic Way and the statues and everything else um, obviously that would be a cause for concern because that's the kind of stuff that causes full-blown riots uh, and the, the, I don't think I think that's obviously a concern for the Scottish government, which is fine. But what they should be doing is just telling, no, necessarily, but just highlighting to everybody, look, don't bother showing up. Anybody that does show up is getting arrested and deal with it that way. Don't blame the clubs for it, because it's not the club's fault, unless they're actively condoning it, which I don't think Celtic are. I don't know if Rangers are, at least publicly. And don't... Like, you need to start cracking down on the people that are actually attending these things. And if tens of thousands show up, then make sure the police presence is there to deal with. Uh, and I'm hoping, and I think that the, a lot of Celtic groups as well have says, a community says, don't turn up. Stay away. If they're going to show up and they, go, they, they destroy things, they destroy statues, they can be replaced. We can foot the bill uh, to the Rangers. So, it's like, but don't show up. Don't stoop to that level. Don't tarnish the club's name the way that they're going to continue doing and have done and I just feel it, it, I just going back to it it, it, it it just reeks of double standards 
I don't know why it does look like political posture to me, but I don't think Nicola's doing herself any favours because I think the majority of uh, her supporters don't necessarily are Celtic fans, but um, I think Celtic fans are far more inclined to be uh, supporters of the SNP because uh, we know that the, the Rangers side, the majority of them are, are uh, loyalists. They, 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 they believe the unionists and... Um, they, they, their feelings on the SNP and, and Nicola are, are aren't great, um, and she, she, where she might feel that, I mean, we, we know there's an election coming up, so you go to wonder if that's playing a part in it. But we, is 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 that why she's she's been so lenient in terms of? Well, I mean, she still as a first minister still has to come out and say something, but is that why they they have not cracked down? The name is hard. Um, but I mean, they they would hang Nicola to dry, and any member of the SNP to dry uh, at any given chance. And regardless of what they do or say, they're not going to be voting SNP because it's just instilled in them. They don't. It's not. A, it's, I'm not even going to get into that actually. But <laughs> I, I think no, because I mean, we we could upset a few people. But I mean, I just going back to your original question I, I kind of dragged that out a wee bit but just going back no. to your original question Stephen I think it is double standards um, and yeah. I'm just I mean just while we're actually recording this John Celtic Football Club have released a tweet following quoting the tweet that says Celtic Football Club statement simple and short here we're not half, half of anything not our problem hashtag one club since 1888 finally Celtic have actually come out of the woodwork sent the statement out well, not a statement, more of a, a quote kind of thing. And hopefully this is a start of Celtic Football Club actually back in the fans and maybe making a few changes because I have to say that their tweet's brilliant. It's, I'm actually reading the, the reaction quite to it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm quite impressed with that. It's a, I think it's the first thing of, from Celtic's uh, media, um, in-house media, this entire season that I'm quite impressed with. I think it's I think it, so few words, but it, it speaks volumes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it's finally finally Celtic coming out and back in the fans where we they're in a corner and they finally come out swinging and that's 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 all we want that's all we want as fans is the club to back us like we back them and as you said Anthony the the tweet itself is 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 a statement and a half it's quite punching when you see it it just basically backs up the firm belief that Rangers are a new club and it's their first ever title and moving on from the the side of things in terms of double standards it brings me on nicely to our next point. I'll go to Anthony first. Do you think we should be given Sevco, Newco, the Rangers PLC, a guard of honour at Celtic Park? Um, and absolutely no way or shape or form should um, the bootleg Rangers be allowed a guard of honour coming into um, Celtic Park next week. I'm, I'll be honest, not even just guard of honours, Stephen. I can't be bothered with pretty much all, all of these sort of empty gestures. I, I, I support the, the message of the taking of the knee Unfortunately, nothing's been done since. You know, there's not been any change brought with it. Um, so, any pre-match handshakes, guards of honour. I'm, I'm not even daft on national anthems and international games. To be honest, I'm, I'm pretty old school. Just get on with the game. Two years ago, this exact same situation happened on the other foot. Rangers refused to do it, and yep. Neil Lennon got asked about it, and he says it's a well. It's it, they've clearly broke the tradition. So as far as I'm concerned, that's it. Tradition is broke. There is no, um, we are under no um, sort of, we're not entitled to give them anything. And a, a guard of honour 
also is a show of respect as well. And um, I'm, I'm given the scenes of the last few days, I'm, I'm in no mood to, to show them any respect. I say, get on with the game and for the first minute, actually show a bit of fight for the first time this season and put them back in their box. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's per- perfectly put, Anthony. And what, what about yourself, John? Where do you fall in this kind of, kind of honor argument, so to speak? Yeah, exactly the same. No way, no happening. I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. But there's another people putting it. up. There's another people put, putting up the argument, as you said, for our fans not to stoop to their level and meet them at Celtic Park. Just let them do what they want, and they can foot the bill. Because if anything is going to come back in them, well, we hope it will come back in them. Because what we've seen over the last couple of days is nothing short of a, a shambles in terms of media and the government coverage of it, especially where I'm from. And over there too, it just seems to be brushed under the carpet like a lot of things are to do with um, Rangers anyway. But in terms of the Guard of Honour, I've, I've heard arguments on both sides and they both make good points. There's pros and cons. If we do it, it shows we're the bigger club. But as you said, Anthony, it kind of shows there's respect there, which there shouldn't be, especially the way they've handled themselves and conducted themselves throughout the years. Um, going back to when they were cheating, signing players and winning titles illegally. I covered that in the Celtic Rewind special, if anyone wants to have a listen to that. But it, it just speaks of, as you said, I personally don't believe they should do it. I, I know a few people close to me that, that are, are saying, yes, do it, just show we're the bigger team. But I think sometimes you should you should fight fair with fair. I know that's an old-fashioned saying, but there comes a point, and hopefully tonight's the start of it, where the club should be like, no, what? Don't care about them across the city. Let them do it they want. We'll play the game. Hopefully get a result and move on the next season. And hopefully claim back what's rightfully ours. Because at the moment, I know it's hurting that we've lost the 10. But just think of it as I put up that picture uh, the other day. The, the league titles we've won since 2001. I think they've only won five. Um, which is the old club. But they claim to be the same club. So not getting into that argument there with today, boys. But you, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But well, yeah, it's like it's, you'll see, Stephen, if you wreck a park bench in George Square, but you pay for a new one, is it the same bench? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I <can't agree. laughs> I'm just, I'm, well, I'm just sort of taking their, you know, outlook on life there for a moment. But then, you, just even like you said, the, the optics of it, if you imagine if they do what they're threatening to do, you know, wreck the Celtic way and defecate on Billy McNeil statue and whatever, and then we go and applaud them onto the park, it's, it's an absolute nonsense. Hashtag go on with the game. Yeah, I think Absolutely. I think that's a perfect perfect way to end the segment in terms of the podcast. But what we're going to do, we're going to move straight on to the fun part of the the podcast, the quiz. Which John, you've lost twice in a row. But yeah, you, you claimed that you answered at the same time as Ross. But I nah, think you if really... you listen to it back, Stephen, I was absolutely <laughs> correct. You can hear me mention, uh, and possibly, and no disrespect, Ross, when you listen, but uh, I did get Savile uh, first. Um, and you can hear me answering the exact same time as him. So this is an issue with your audio at your end, Stephen. But I'll take it. I'm not. I'm not going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no there, there's no lineup predictions or score predictions until next week, until the Leo Firm or the, the Derby game is something you rightly rightly alluded to. So we'll crack on with the quiz. It's the same thing. There's five questions. First, if they get the three or five, whatever wins, and we'll see who takes the title this week. He's ready. Yeah, go for it. No worries. In which season did Celtic first compete in the Champions League group stage? Season 2001-2002. Yeah, 1-0 down for Where were you? It's only whispering again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. I, I, was, uh, I, I, I was thinking. I couldn't get the answer. Uh, 
Which was the only trophy Celtic won in the year 2000? The League Cup. Oh, what was that? The League Cup, I'm saying as in the what was then the CIS Insurance Cup. Okay, and what was your answer, John? I just said the Scottish Cup. You're wrong, it was the League Cup. All <laughs> <laughs> I remember because um, my brother got uh, lifted after the game, as I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they got a stern, was... got a stern talking to at least a stern talking. To. I don't think lifted. They got a stern talking to for drinking wine on the street. Shout <laughs> out to Kev. Ah, uh, Kev, mate. Aye. Who first... was Celtic's first ever manager? Willie Mealy. Uh, Anthony takes the title this week. Fuck me, John. Where are you? He's too quick, man. He's too quick. <laughs> Boy, boys, an encyclopedia. <laughs> So all these like, quizzes we were doing under in the first lockdown. Aye, <laughs> 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 they did. So after you take the the title this week for the quiz, congratulations for me. I'm not taking part in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to be known. You're going to be known as the free head of the group, John. You need to get your act together here. <laughs> the, I'm the, really good at being but, put on the spot with quizzes, mate. I go blank all the time. <laughs> In, in terms of your prize, Anthony, it's the same as the other guests. It's absolutely nothing. It's this pride you win. So, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that, mate. I'll take it. <laughs> I, I hope that's enough for you. But, guys, again, thanks very much for joining me. The, the you, John, again, I'll shout, give a big shout-out to yourself. You sort the YouTube and Spotify out. And without you, I don't think we could get on YouTube or Spotify, to be honest. I, I don't know how to do it. So thanks very much for that, John. And you're going to be on again because you're my regular co-host. And, Anthony, yourself, thanks for coming on again as a guest. You'll be welcome on any time you want. It's brilliant to have you. It was a fantastic conversation with yourself today. Some interesting points. Have you enjoyed your time today? Oh, thank you. Absolutely, mate. And I'll uh, more than happy to come on any any time. Been looking forward to it. It's uh, obviously the, the the two times I've been on, we've not been able to speak about the the happiest of subjects. But it's just great talking about Celtic, isn't it? That's, that's absolutely. Days are not. They, they days will be back soon. They? They, they're coming back, aren't they? So this is merely a, a small glitch in the matrix. That's yeah. it. Well, the, the reason, as I said at the start, the reason for this podcast is just for Celtic fans to fan their frustrations, to talk it out and give their opinions because of, I think that's been lost, especially with the board this year. So I hope we're providing people with that platform and I hope people are enjoying it. And until Friday, I think, yeah, Friday is our next podcast. We will speak again. But in the meantime, to everyone who's watching, listening and following all our pages, um, thank you very much. Steven, we just had, yeah. Sorry, just just before you, you you mentioned last week you had an announcement to make regarding Friday. What's happening? Oh well, on on Friday. Thanks for reminding me. There a bit, bit went, went a bit like your quiz. <laughs> I went a bit like your quiz head. I went blank. But <laughs> so on Friday we're going to welcome Russell Boyce, which is fantastic for the show. He's a, he's on the Ascom bulletin, so the a Celtic City main bulletin. He does a Monday with Kevin Graham. And he's uh, delighted, uh, delighted to be joined by him on the show. I think he's going to bring some fantastic points and, and knowledge re- regarding Celtic and the current situation. So I'm looking forward to that. And also tomorrow, we have a special guest, but I, I'm not going to announce that just yet. I'm going to leave that for Instagram because it's not going to be released possibly until next week. But keep tuned, everybody. And in the meantime, stay well and keep safe. Heel, heel. <laughs>